you're developing your international business, one thing is often forgotten, cultural differences. The Culture Matters International Business Podcast does exactly that. Focus on international business and cultural differences. Chris and Peter guide you through the maze of business and cultural differences in every podcast episode. Get the global perspective here at the Culture Matters International Business Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Welcome to the Culture Matters Podcast. My name is Chris Smith. And I'm Peter van der Lende. You're listening to the Culture Matters Podcast on International Business. We're on episode number 153. If you haven't subscribed, you can do so now on culturematters.com. Um, and and more as well. And, and more. And, and Spotify and Stitcher and and everything where you normally get your, um, your um, podcasts from. What are yeah. we talking about today? Work after Corona. Uh, and you might think yet another podcast or article or webinar about Corona, but how will how will different businesses deal with this post-pandemic period? Because in the end, that will come. Uh, by the way, uh, just for your records, recording date is April 21st, 2021, for those of you who are listening in the future. And the question here that we're looking at is how will life change after Corona? Well, business life and work life. That's what we're talking about mainly. Um, will we work from home all the time? Will we lose our job? Um, or or how, how do different countries actually deal with this? So that's the topic for this podcast 153. Hello, Peter. Hey, good morning. I had actually uh, yesterday another conversation about this. Uh, I had lunch with a couple of, uh, of Dutch people here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them is working for a large Dutch company, and uh, he he is the chief of finance. And and I asked him, "Do you are you working from home?" Yeah. And he says, "I'm working from home." I said, "What about the future? Is it going to change now that if if post COVID uh, is that going to change?" And he says, "Yes, dramatically. We already made the decision that uh, life will not be the same. Uh, nobody will go to the office as we did before. There will be more work from home. There will be more." Mm-hmm. Uh, work in teams, so to speak. So he says, we work in teams, so we gather in the office for team for a team meeting, and then you can maybe go back home, etc. So, and also what I mentioned earlier, Chris, is is that also I do work for a company uh, from Australia that is part of a larger com- European company, and they actually send out an email with these acronyms: W F H W F O and W F A. Work from home, work from the uh, office, and work from anywhere. So there is definitely something going on, isn't there? Yes, there is. And and of course, we all know this. I mean, this whole trend in terms of working uh, from a distance, uh, teleworking, it was called in, in a long time ago. Yeah. It sounds, sounds a bit old-fashioned in a way. Um, but indeed, working from home, all this, all this stuff was on its way already, but it, I think it's dramatically um, sped up in terms of this whole pandemic which is going on and working from home indeed doesn't not for everyone um is the norm but indeed there will be a lot of offices being empty and there will be uh, well hopefully uh, less air pollution because people are traveling less uh that's that's work and, and home kind of these kind of things etc so what we're trying to do here in this podcast uh, look at a little bit in terms of um what culture, what is, how does culture play a role with this? Working from home, WFH, working from anywhere, that's WFA. And WFO is the O is from office, so working from the office as it was before this, etc. Now, um, when when we look at the cultural impact on, on this typically working from home thing, there are several cultures, and typically this has to, this is, this is culturally linked to hierarchy. Um, high scoring countries, 
say, um, well, say Russia, say China, say Mexico, um, uh, or say the whole of Latin America, really, uh, relatively score relatively high on hierarchy. In other words, there tends to be a trend in terms of um, of from the from the boss's perception. If I don't see you, you're not working. So there is um, uh, people generally bosses in high scoring countries prefer to see their employees present. So the working from home is something I guess that will happen more faster sooner in lower scoring countries like say Canada, uh, the UK, the US, Australia, um, uh, parts of Northwestern Europe, uh, because France relatively scores high as well. So, or, or if you are working from home, and this is something that I've experienced up close and personal, there is a level of micromanagement. In other words, okay, you are working from home, but I will ask you every every little thing and you will have to be, say, on your toes and you have to be sort of, well, at least online present. Um, what's your take on that from your perspective in Atlanta? Peter? Yeah, I, we will have to see. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting because the, the, the messages that I got that things are about to change uh, were basically Dutch and Spanish and French kind of entities mm-hmm. that transmitted this message to the world because yeah. these, these companies have offices across the globe. So what's going to be interesting is what is going to happen in the United States. I'm, I'm curious to know. I think uh, the United States will probably follow or, or lead uh, what the Europeans are doing as well. So I'm, I have not heard anything from a from an American company yet, but I'm sure uh, it is in the same in the same uh, following the same line. Mm-hmm. But what is interesting, I think, is going to be how do you deal with, as a global company uh, announcing this uh, for organizations that you just mentioned for for your Russian organization or your Mexican organization. Right now, you now you're going to implement a global strategy, a global uh, approach to something that might be difficult for a Mexican or, or, or a Brazilian or a Russian. And I think that's going to be a challenge because now the country manager has to tell the people you may work from home more, uh, but he doesn't necessarily like it or he or she. Indeed. So how do, you, how do you deal with that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in general, what we know from from this pandemic and people working from home is that in in general, and again, I'm making air quotes here, um, people tend to be happier, but also people tend to work longer as well. And on the other hand, uh, people tend to end up in, um, at least in certain countries and typically in, in, I guess, also collectivistic countries, if you have to work from home, in other words, if it's not a choice, but it's, it's, it's mandatory, then people tend to end up in a social isolation as well. Um, meaning that you don't see your colleagues, you have no social contact. We are, and this is something that came out of this pandemic as well. We, it turns out to be that human beings tend to be actually really social animals across the globe. In certain cultures, it's stronger than other cultures, and how we group together depends on the culture as well. But this whole issue of social isolation is something that is that is all in addition to hierarchy. Is also something which is uh, which is serious. Eventually, that will go. But if your company, indeed, in your city, what you just described, Peter, if your company decides to um, get rid of offices, so what are you going to do then? You yeah, have to exactly. stay at home. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's also a personal thing, so it's cultural and personal. I know for for a fact, for example, that I work from home, and I used to have also this virtual or, or this shared office space. Uh, I haven't been there in a while because of Corona. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know I met people there, so that's a good, that's nice. You meet new people, etc. And I, but I also met people who said I cannot just not work from home. I just feel so isolated and alone, and and I cannot focus, etc. Uh, but what will what will happen, of course, is that some of these people might be forced to do this. So mm-hmm. that's what you're saying. Social isolation might become part of it. But what is also is happening in in in, in taking a sidestep here is that uh, jobs are changing, right? So we saw this article yesterday where we went through mm-hmm. that uh, that that basically jobs are shifting over different industries or towards different roles. So for to a certain extent. Uh, over the next couple of months and years, there might be different jobs, different roles uh, for people uh, that may be forced into uh, something new and a new role, maybe work from home, maybe work from anywhere, even though they had a different role before, maybe they don't like it. And of course, now we, now we get into the question of you know, what kind of roles and what does, what does automation play? Uh, what uh, what role does automation play and, and, and how does it all work in this dynamic? What, what are some of your thoughts? Well, it, it's, it, I think it's a, indeed people are getting worried to some extent. Indeed, is my job going to exist after when, when, when there we go back to yeah. you know, normal or a new normal or something called normal. And it's, a, it's a bit of a repetition of, of something we saw in the 60s, 70s and 80s when, when the yeah. first, well, well, computers were the personal computer uh, in, well, not invented, but make made big by IBM at the case. A lot of people thought that they were going to lose their jobs as well over automation. And of yeah. course, what we see happening right now uh, is that indeed automation is like we we started with this has uh, has sped up as well. Um, and um, what you see, for instance, is that automated cars or self driving cars is something that is again started in countries that score relatively low on a cultural dimension called predictability. Um, to give you another example, um, the, for instance, and and this is again, this is the, the, the contradiction that we're that we're facing in the, at, at this moment. If you let a panel do blind testing uh, and let them taste a coffee made by a machine, a good machine, right, uh, or a human, then in general, what comes out is that the automated coffee tends to be tends to be. Uh, or gets a higher grade than made by a human being. Still, being social animals as we are, we prefer actually that I prefer that you, Peter, make my coffee so I can see it because there's a, some sort of human interaction, etc. Of course, now since we're, mo- we're moving out of the offices and, and working more from home, um, all these these platforms like Zoom and, and Teams, I think they're there, and WebEx and what else, what else have you, um, uh, have taken a, a great leap forward in terms of terms of their uh, possibilities as well. But what you see happening also, and this is again a cultural dimension, you see companies like Germany and France, for instance, if if I talk about Western yeah. Europe, they're not that eager. To, to automate everything. For one, they're not that eager to automate. That's one. And second, I would like to see you as well, because if I don't see you, then um, then you're probably not working as well. So to that extent, I think automation will increase. But indeed, in terms of, okay, you might have a barista less, a coffee maker, but you might have a masseuse more because people like and appreciate that interaction as well. What do you think? Yeah, exactly. So I'm just looking again at the uh, at the statistics uh, about regarding e-commerce. Mm-hmm. What, so changing jobs, changing behavior, people working from home, people 
shopping online more, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then related to that is, of course, the, the, the cultural aspect in terms of automation, if you will, because in one country it is stronger than another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you look at where uh, the big jump was, you see, for example, com- countries where uh, there was already some hesitance maybe to shop online, like uh, mm-hmm. looking at Spain, for example, that was the biggest leap, right? So, so 4.7 4. times more uh, e-commerce uh, since Corona. So what, you, what you're saying is that the Spaniards are ordering more stuff online. Uh, they made the biggest leap forward in doing that, if you want. Yes, 4.7 yeah. 4. times more than before. Mm-hmm. And then the next one is actually the UK, and they were already a little high. But then you see also China, 1.6, 1, 1. Uh, the United <laughs> States, 3.3. And then you go to Germany, you just mentioned, 2.3. And it is rather on a rather low basis as well. So that's interesting. And then India is, uh, is the next, and France. And then Japan is, the, is uh, kind of the, the lowest together with, uh, with China. So definitely you see, you see that things are changing in terms of online buying, automation in general, etc. Uh, and always these things come, comes up, right? I mean, are we going to be, will we see more unemployment? People are scared of their jobs and uh, will Corona cause the next unemployment wave because we're doing more things online, shopping more online and more automation, etc.? Uh, but of course, as you mentioned, Chris, uh, if you look at history, I mean, we have been able to automate so many things over the last, whatever, decade, few decades. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the proof is not there that that will lead to unemployment. In fact, it leads to other jobs. This is, in fact, also something that I'm still working, uh, uh, working on, as you know, like uh, airport automation and mm-hmm. self-service uh, kiosks and self-service backdrop and, mm-hmm. and, and, and biometrics, etc., for a passenger to kind of go through the process without seeing a person. And I had these comments from people like, yeah, well, you're contributing to pushing people out of a job. And I always say, actually, I don't think so. I think it will generate different jobs. It will, it will let airport workers be human, interacting with humans, as opposed to have humans act as a machine. And, and we'll, we'll, we saw over the last decade, a few decades also that, for example, in Japan, uh, that uh, was heavily automated, but the the unemployment stayed at very low, True. very low base, right? Yeah. Well, the the, the exception, uh, well, the exception to the rule, if you want, in terms of of automating. Uh, again, most countries that score relatively high on this fourth dimension called predictability are more reluctant to automate. And the exception to that rule is Japan, which is the most automated in general country um, as as there as there is in the world. The, by the way, yeah. um, the point, the, the explanation for that is more a social one than a um, a cultural one. At least that's what I think, because it is it is the fastest aging country in the world as well. In other words, I mean, who is going to make your coffee if there's no if there are no people to make coffee with? Uh, and then, so hence, stuff gets automated and more automated and more automated. So that's a that's a bit of a social influence, which you see happening in uh, in Japan. Um, and you, you mentioned something uh, yesterday to me: um, um, change as opposed to stagnation. What what's what's the point you wanted to make with that? Well, the the, the point is that uh, when I had one of those comments from from a passenger when I was actually observing. Uh, one of our deployments uh, in uh, Minneapolis mm-hmm. by ICM. This is an ICM. It's an Australian company, part of an Amadeus, uh, Amadeus company. If people are familiar with the airline industry. Mm-hmm. And there was an older person uh, using the machine first. And then the next one was a younger person. And the older person 
uh, went through the process very quickly. So the, the, I thought this was great, right? Because this person is maybe 70 to 75 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're and, talking about and, a check-in, like a, this is a real check-in something, right? Yeah, so check-in, you check-in by, uh, with a kiosk, you walk over to a backdrop, backdrop actually does everything for you. It weighs the bag, it has intrusion detection, you put the bag on the belt, and the screen tells you what to do. There's no person present in the bag is being processed and you just walk off uh, over to the to the airplane you got the uh-huh. security the airplane so this person was saying like i asked her i said so that went quick did you, did you like it? and she she said no i said i said why not she said because there is i would like to see a person yeah uh, and also i said you're pushing people out of a job uh, and then the next person who was like maybe 25 was jumping up and down this is great my point my point really is if you i mean this is of course, a generational thing, but it's also a cultural thing. You mentioned uh, the, the the predictability or the uncertainty, avoidance, etc. We, we probably see, as you said, less of a change in countries that score low uh, or high, high on predictability. Um, but the, the 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 point is that uh, if if you do not uh, innovate and you kind of resist that change. Of course, that can lead to stagnation. It's, it's a competitive world, if you like it or not. So if you as a country, as a culture, say, we're, we're, we're taking a step back, we don't like this, we, we are more traditional, then you are competing with your neighboring country, your neighboring airport, et cetera, et cetera, neighboring industry, industry, and, and, that, and therefore you have a competitive disadvantage. Hmm. So that's going to be, I think that's why you see the world's changing because of Corona a little bit, and the countries that are embracing it, embracing that change will, uh, come up, come out ahead, and others who are more traditional and score uh, score a certain way on the, on those cultural dimensions, mm-hmm. uh, they may may suffer a little bit. And uh, some of these countries, uh, of course, we'll see how it works, especially when it comes to, for example, uh, where of course uh, the the virus actually originated, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. No, no, it's 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 a uh, and and. Um, what and this is where culture actually starts playing a role or where where culture becomes interesting at least i think um is where if you look at this cultural dimension of hierarchy on one side and then you take another dimension and you include include that as well in the if you want equation um and you look at enhanced predictability the, the first one and the fourth dimension predictability and hierarchy yeah um so if predictability is high generally countries tend to be more reluctant to implementing, say, new things or change, if you want. Now, if you look at two two countries in the world, big countries, the Chinese and the Americans, what you see happening, which is interesting, because in you would say both China and the US score relatively low on this fourth dimension of predictability. So you would argue simply, okay, and, and in other words, change is something that will be um, embraced in these two countries. Well, to some extent it is, but it is again more in the US than it is in China. And why is that? Because in this case, in the China case, hierarchy plays a role as well, because there are a couple of big companies and they're called the BATX or the BAT, it's Baidu, Alibaba, Tencent, and Xiaomi. Uh, They're the biggest four um, Chinese tech companies, but those, the CEOs of these companies are being um, how do you say called back by the Chinese government? In other words, don't become too big. And mind you, we are still controlling you. So this is hierarchy playing a role in terms of um, implementing automa- automation or, or yeah, automating things. Contrary to that, 
look at the United States and take, for instance, look at the example of Amazon a couple of, was that years ago? Uh, or at least months ago, years ago, where there was a, yeah. a relative, if you want, uprising, which is maybe a bit of a big word, but um, um, there was a, there were a lot of comments in the media as well about the organizational culture within Amazon, the country, the, the company Amazon, right? Um, now, the U.S. scores relatively low on hierarchy and relatively low on predictability. China scores high on hierarchy and also relatively low on predictability. So what you see happening in China is that there is a very strong government control. Um, and what you see happening in the U.S., for instance, is that there is, of course, there's regulation and stuff like that. But if things are not going according to how people want them to go, then people will actually, the Americans will actually um, uh, will say something about that or be against that. And the um, I've, I've put in, in, in our notes here, organizational uprising, uh, people were complaining and complaining about what's going on and how they were being mistreated in the United States within working with Amazon. Uh, it's something that you will not see happening in China. People will just not do that. They might be unhappy. They might not be happy with the, with the situation or the status quo, etc. But they will not um, be as public about it as they will in the U.S. So again, do you see, even when it comes to big tech or when it comes to automation, you will see that culture will play a role. It will keep on playing a role as well. Yeah. Um, and we've seen some examples in terms of international companies. Maybe you want to elaborate a little bit on that? Well, I, I was I was thinking the... the um what also came out of out of the statistics is that that um, the the jobs or the, the the work arenas where physical proximity is uh, is is more uh, is more important than in others will see the greatest transformation mm-hmm. right so if the, and, that, and that is obvious right so that that's where some of the big change might come and one of the of course the, the, it's an interesting dynamic really is one of the things that happened was that Amazon, of course, became even a bigger company because a lot of people started to shop online. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, the, the, the the business is booming. So UPS and, and FedEx and, and, and Amazon have done great business. And some companies, some providers of those companies, including this Dutch company I referred to, Van der Lande, who does warehousing and, and uh, airport uh, uh, material, material handling systems, etc., have done great during this uh, pandemic. But the, the other side, the other side of the coin is that, of course, uh, Amazon is also a high proximity kind of a company because they have warehousing. Mm-hmm. So if you have if you have a lot of warehousing across the world, which they do, mm-hmm. uh, and now you're going to change the way of doing business within your company, uh, you're doing this in multiple countries. So Amazon is an American company, but they have business in uh, across the world in different in, in different across different cultures. So mm-hmm. now they they are becoming a bigger company. They have a little bit of an uprising about the, their the working conditions. Now they maybe want to change some of that stuff. But now they have to do the same thing in different countries, and that's going to be a dynamic that's going to be even more interesting, right? Because now they're going to probably try to do that in in certain Euro- European countries. Amazon just started not too long ago in the Netherlands. What will that look like? Uh, I don't know if they have a presence in in India, for example, but that would be interesting as well. Uh, um, I don't know about Amazon having a, a physical presence in um, in India, like like you mentioned. I know, for instance, and this already happened a couple of well months ago, 
uh, no, more, a couple of years ago even, I would say, in IKEA, the Swedish um, furniture company, if you want, tried to get a foothold in India because it's a massive market, 1.3 billion people, and they all have homes, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but they failed. They, they, they pulled out of India because it didn't work. Why not? Because, well, for, for, for some reasons, because the management was a bit rough, uh, I think um, uh, I know. I know certain managers have actually tried to do this, but it's also the the case where in India, you know, you, why would you, uh, um, if you buy your stuff, why would you want to put it together yourself? The way if you have such relatively, this is what you call cheap labor, if you want, with all respect. It's, I mean, uh, it, there are so many hands available to put your furniture together. Why would you want to do this yourself? So it lacks. It did lack a lot of um, of status, if you want, in a country like like India. But there are more examples. Um, Walmart in Germany failed. Didn't work uh, either. Um, you, you mentioned Home Depot in China, Peter. Yeah, the, those are famous examples, right? And of course, the yeah. point here is that if if Corona is going to change anything, uh, it, it this cultural aspect of big companies that do business abroad will face a new dynamic as well. So. For, and, and if you look at history, IKEA in India, uh, there, there are lessons to be learned. And another one is Walmart in Germany, where Walmart basically implemented the American Walmart culture into in Germany. So the employees were not happy because they had to s- sing in the morning like we are Walmart or something. And the Germans <laughs> think of think of a German German thing jump, jumping up and down in the morning like we are. It doesn't Walmart. really work. And, no, the, 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 I cannot even I can even even think of it. But also, I think the the customer didn't react to it because it was like served with a smile was one of the uh, one of the things that Walmart insisted on. Like, and in Germany, if you're being smiled at by an by an uh, an supermarket employee, uh, that comes across as awkward and, and maybe even creepy. Like, why why are you smiling at me? What is what's wrong? And then Home Depot in China is the same thing. It's like the do it yourself. It's like the IKEA IKEA equivalent of India, I think. But an, an interesting one is uh, I read that one is uh, is Red Bull, the energy drink. European company, I think it's Austrian, but they basically implemented across the world by using local uh, grassroots uh, marketing. Your phone and is ringing, Peter. Oh, it's my daughter. <laughs> it's not my phone. No, it's my phone. It's my my daughter. She's okay. In college. I, I sent her a text that I will call her back. <laughs> uh, so that's um, so that's going to be interesting in terms of COVID, post COVID, working from home working from the office, working from anywhere, uh, now you are uh, a big company, a big multinational, and you're going to change your policies. You're going to change how how employees work. Uh, we need to learn from history. Uh, when you look at these examples, uh, these dynamics will play a role once again when, uh, when they uh, embark on these initiatives, right? True. No, it's true. It's it's. And, and, um, uh, I want to come back to what you ta- what you said about Red Bull. Actually, I did not know. I thought it was American, but uh, you you mentioned it as Austrian. I think it's an actual Austrian. Yeah. It's interesting because they they do a lot of promotion and and one of the most spectacular things that they've done a couple of years ago this guy jumping out out of this uh, this this uh, balloon and and falling like for forty two kilometers or something, which is not true. It was a lot less, but nonetheless. Um, so they they had an interesting challenge, which I which I find typical. And here you see culture coming back again in the United States. Red Bull was sued, um, and there is a suing culture in the U.S. 
where people were, uh, well, I don't know who did this. Maybe you know more about this, but they were sued, I think, for about 100 million US dollars, 100 million US dollars, because the claim, this the slogan that Red Bull does give you wings, they said, it's not true. So you're lying to me. And hence, uh, and you mentioned it when we talked about it, um, I was standing on the edge of the building. And just before I, I wanted to jump, I realized Red Bull did not give me any wings. So, yeah. and hence indeed a, a judge or a jury, I don't know how it went um, in the US actually allotted 100 million US dollars or something like an enormous amount to these people making the claim. And this is, this is, this is something that will not happen in Germany, will not happen in the Netherlands, will not happen in Sweden. Those are ridiculous claims for us, yeah. but not for the Americans. And, and these, these claims, of course, there, there are more examples, right? Mm -hmm. I think uh, McDonald's was being sued for uh, serving uh, fast food uh, because now this uh, I, I became obese and it's your fault. But I think it's basically people become creative and see opportunities in, in suing a company, etc. But it has implications for, uh, for our post-COVID environment as well. Because if we're going to change how we work, if we're going to change jobs, if we're going to push people into job and different jobs or, or being asked to do different jobs, uh, work from home, work from anywhere, etc. There is a legal component to this. Uh, and companies that are working in an international environment will need to take that into account as well. If you are a Swedish company and you want to change the way you work in the United States, you will face also legal, uh, legal, uh, the legal implications. Or challenges indeed. Yeah. Ah, good point. So again, what we what we try to do here uh, is, I think both of us, Peter and myself, are are uh, in agreement that indeed work will be different after this when things get back to well, a sort of normal, whatever that may be. And um, indeed, it will be different. There will be more offices empty. People will travel again, but they will also work from home or wherever they need to be. Um, and that's and that's important to realize that even though the world is changing, you cannot get away from the cultural aspects here. In whatever kind of business you are, however you you're, you 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 structure your work, if you want, culture will still play a role. Whether you're 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 meeting in Zoom or Teams from a distance, or you're actually around the corner, or you're in the office as well, people will will bump into culture and cultural differences. Now. Um, before we say goodbye, because I'm looking at the time here as well, is um, if you're listening to this before the 4th of May 2021, then you can register for our webinar, our upcoming webinar on May 4th, 2021. Um, and you can go to culturematters.com slash webinar to register or to read more details, because we also want to do some um, a, a sort of PowerPoint presentation around this. And if you listen to this after May 4th, 2021, you can go to culturematters.com slash shop. And there you will find the webinar that we um, are talking about in this podcast. I think that's pretty much it in a way, unless you've got something to add, Peter. No, I think uh, I'm looking for. I'm looking forward to the web to the webinar. Mm -hmm. All righty, then then we're gonna say goodbye, hi and bye. If you haven't again subscribed to this podcast, please do so in um, in Stitcher, in iTunes, and in Spotify. If you are in iTunes, why don't you leave us a review? That will be nice because then it will be more visible to, for other people as well. The music you hear in the background is from Ben Sound. Check it out at bensound.com. My name is Chris Smith. And I'm Peter van der Lende. This was the Culture Matters podcast on international business. We will be back in a couple of weeks. Yep. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.
Overlooking cultural differences when you're developing your business internationally can be the biggest mistake you can make. Let Chris and Peter help you avoid those mistakes. Get in touch now. Go to culturematters.com.